I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now we're officially a proper podcast because we actually started recording this episode you're about to hear and then we realised it wasn't recording. My so guess bad. what? <laughs> hey, it happens, it happens, exactly. dude. Exactly. It, it happens. happens. Uh, so uh, basically, we're going to do this again. This is our round two. And uh, welcome to the podcast, which is, and that's why I messed up, talking about nerdery, geekery. <laughs> We're talking about nerdery and geekery and all else in between from a South London postcode. It's all right, bruv. It's all good. Next to me is my boy. I love I'm, him. I'm not perfect. My brother. No, no one's perfect. You're flawed human being. It's the classic, bruv. You're right. No. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Like I said, every podcast I ever listened to has a thing where they're like, this is the fifth time we're doing this. Uh, so, hey, bear with us. And uh, on the other side of me, I've got the original Burger Red, big man. What's up, Hello, people. I hope everyone is well and keeping safe. We are. So, we know what we're talking about, but you <laughs> don't know. Uh, we today are going to talk about the awesome sitcom Red Dwarf, which basically piloted from 1988 on BBC Two until 1999, came back to life uh, on day from 2009, and is still going. Even though, full disclosure, I have only seen, I think, series series ten on Dave. I haven't seen the the next three because it's up to thirteen now. Um, but yeah. Red Dwarf, for those of you who don't know, is a uh, science fiction sitcom basically charting the uh, life of one Dave Lister, played by Craig Charles, who was basically put in cryostasis for three million years. His companion is his former, you can say boss, but technically... Su- works supervisor, I'll say supervisor. Technically supervisor, Rimmer, so Arnold Judas Rimmer, no, BFT... Yeah. 
SCC, aka what's it, bronze swim certificate yep. and silver swim certificate, uh, paid by Chris Berry. You also had the cat, paid by Danny John Jules, and sanitation droid Crichton, who is uh, paid by Robert Llewellyn, who joined. He well, his first debut was in season two. Three. Uh, oh, no, his debut was two. Oh, sorry, Crichton. Uh, yeah, the was Crichton, and then he didn't come back until season three. Where he was there full time and has been ever since. It wasn't him that played them in the second. Oh yeah, and, and yeah, he was. He wasn't Robin. Wasn't Robert Llewellyn in the first one? I can't remember. Really I think it was David Ross. Yeah, like that. something played, like that. Yeah, he played him in the, in the first uh, in the debut episode. Then was Robert Llewellyn. Um, and weirdly, Robert Llewellyn is the only original cast member to actually uh, appear in the US pilot. Was he playing? Was he playing Crichton in the US pilot? Playing Crichton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> which might have been what Craig Charles might have said about about a series that he calls White Dwarf, but uh, we'll, talk <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit. And also how the fact that um, Long Kiss Goodnight is linked to Red Dwarf, which is just weird. Um, yeah, and we also have uh, Norman Lovett as the ship's computer Holly, who became and who then went on. Then Holly then became Natty Hattie Hayrich, and then has gone back to Norman Lovett in since season ten, I believe. So yeah, one of the things I love about Red Dwarf is that I see myself reflected because Danny John Jules is black and Chris, um, sorry, Craig Charles is black as well, and it's they're not sidekicks they're not kind of they all feature prominently have their own storylines and you know the main character is lister and for those who haven't watched it i beg you go find it i think american people i think you may you might be able to find it on iplayer or where i'm not sure but i'm sure you can find it online it's, and... netflix. it's not netflix anymore is it no it's not it's not to... it's not even on britbox anymore either Oh, damn shame. So I don't even know where it is, but I'm hunting for it. Um, find it. I'll find it. I now. must find it because I'm I love it, but I'm not paying eleven pound a season uh, on Amazon <laughs> at all. Uh, thank you very much, but no. Um, so yeah, I remember watching. I think I don't remember watching it from the very beginning. I think I started watching around season two when it first actually aired. I think the, it, my earliest memory of it is watching it with you in your bedroom yep. at, in Brixton. Like, yep. That was my earliest It's on Apple TV. On Apple TV? It's on Apple TV and Prime. Oh, it's on Apple TV. Oh, okay. But Prime yeah. didn't pay for it. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 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 Moving on from that little thing there. Um, yeah, I think I, lo- I love the fact that... Um, when I was doing research for this episode is how things kind of came about and the weird things that came about, like the fact that Alan Rickman and Alfred Molina uh, auditioned to be for Rimmer. Again, like, can, like, when I'm thinking of, thinking of Alan Rickman in Red Dwarf, again, this takes me back to Galaxy Quest, I can just see him be like, Obviously, not playing the character that he was technically pl- t- supposed to be playing, but playing the actor that he was supposed to be playing that he was in that film because, like, his his one liners, like, where are you going the- to see him as a pub? I can see him doing that. It's that, but it's also the by Grapthar's hammer. What a saving! <laughs> <laughs> 
Alan Rickman, rest in peace. Shout out to um, Alan Rickman. Uh, I love that the irony of so Red Dwarf and then, he, and then ends up in Galaxy. Okay, fantastic. But Alfred Molina ended up playing, originally was supposed to play um, Rimmer, but he didn't understand the concept of Red Dwarf. I don't understand, I, I understand that. How can yeah. you basically agree for a role and then have no idea what you did? But you know what? But you know, if you think about it, I kind of can get it because it's not a show. It's not a show that that always has a tidy ending, and this is the time before something like Seinfeld. So it didn't have a tidy ending. It's there's this kind of loose that Rimmer wants to get back to Earth because they're three million light years away. Um, but it's also I think because. It's so not Star Trek. Do you get what I mean? And so not the things we've seen in sci-fi at the time. So I get how the discomfort of that, especially in the 80s, was a bit like, I, I don't get it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. No. Wow. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fine. I'm being stubborn. <laughs> I apologise. But no, I, I, I do kind of... I think right now, like, there are some things that are great about kind of being into sci-fi and things like this now because we get to see some amazing and interesting concepts. People are trying things that they wouldn't try before. I think sometimes trying those things in those days is a bit like, I'm sorry, what? What? You know, you're used to a Captain Kirk type. You're not used to grubby Dave Lister being the who 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 by his own admission doesn't know that much and is the only person left and is the one chosen by Holly to well he, he's the only one who's alive to come out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just a case of you think, well, this is not really the the protagonist that we're used to. So I could kind of get it, but also a bit like Alfred. But in a way, I'm kind of <laughs> glad he didn't get it because I can't see him as Rimmer. Nah. Because I'm stuck between see, him I, being... I can see him being, being Crichton, to be honest. Crichton, yes, but I'm stuck between him being like um, money, 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 in range of Lost Ark and <laughs> Doc Ock. <laughs> That's the, so it's like yeah there's this there, in there there's no space for a river fair enough i can't argue with that i can't argue with that yeah because like yeah I just, like i can i can definitely see rickman doing that character called justice big time but I, yeah Alpha but is that because of galaxy quest though no it's because Actually, you know what it's because rickman was such a fantastic he's a, he, actor yeah he's so good like the like the man like, die hard was his first major role and the man intimidate it was was intimidating bruce willis to the point where it's like who is this guy why why, why is he why are you why is he so important blah, blah, blah. he was literally intimidated by the man's presence he's the only highlight in robin hood prince of thieves exactly and kevin Cost, kevin, and kevin Cost was pissed off about that too and when, <laughs> when you, when you can say a film that has morgan freeman is outdone by alan rickman you know this is what we're talking about here mm, because yeah. yeah the only highlight of that film is is alan rickman yeah, completely. And then like him as I mean, my favorite role of it is is him as the um him as the um in, uh, dogma. Yeah, That's my I... favorite, and him spinning out the drink. So I absolutely, I love <laughs> it because he begins in a way, and he gets like you know half half drunk and talking about the battle and being bored, and then the tenderness, like when he does the scene about when he goes about how he had to he had to talk to Jesus because. Mm-hmm. The father couldn't talk to the son without killing him. And when he said, 
Make it all go, go away. away. Oh, that's so the emotion. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Alan Rickman. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off the club. I'm gonna get sad about Alan Rickman and how it's <laughs> great talent. Um, but yeah, in the link to Long Kiss Goodnight, Craig Beercoat, who played the the assassin in Long Kiss Goodnight and the main antagonist, was cast as Dave Lister in the US pilot. Again, I'm looking at a picture of right now and I can't see it. <laughs> and um, actually, following on from that, when they like, they, there's an interview with Craig Charles about it, and other than him calling it, um, no, actually, it was uh, Craig Charles calls it White Dwarf. There's an interview with Danny John Jules about it. And Danny John Jules was basically saying that when it went to the US, they made Lister cleaner, which is like, that's, that's, and. That's a point. Exactly, because you have so much around the fact that he's a dirty slob. Yeah. Um, and in Danny John Jules' opinion, which I do agree with, he said that he feels that only John Belushi or a John Belushi type could have played Dave Lister. And I actually, I agree. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah, I was like, I actually agree. Um, apparently though, it's received well, but the studios actually didn't like it. And as I said, Robert Llewellyn played was Crichton and I'm almost like I don't know how that works that you in the pilot you've already got Crichton in the first but IT the IT crowd American version did that they got what's his name from uh, they got David uh, I keep forgetting his last name I can't pronounce his last name uh, uh, um, David uh, 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 oh yeah they got him to yeah. play his character or himself or not himself but this character he played in the English version in, in the American version and they got I forget the guy, the actor's name from, um, was it from, I can't, the community, community, yeah, community, yeah, got yeah. One of the main guy from that in playing, oh. so, and yeah, like, they do, they do, they do that all the time, because obviously it's kind of easy because there's no one like, there's no one like Richard Ayo Addy yeah, at all, and, in yeah. fairness, then, and there's no, yeah, there's no one like Robert Llewellyn, mm. Robert Llewellyn is, other than being the guy who talks about electric electric cars and stuff, there is no one like Robert. And he's a very nice guy. I've met him. He's, he's a really nice guy. I've met him. Too. He's really nice. I'm gonna say you met him as well, haven't you, bro? I think I've met everyone in the cast except for um, except for uh, Chris Barry. He's the only one I've not met. Everyone else I've met. Obviously... Yeah, I've, yeah, I've met I've met Danny John Jules. Mm. That was random because I met him in Labrock Grove outside a club, <laughs> and. He was fresh. You know what? How weird it is. He was fresh off doing Lockstock. Oh wow! So it was really weird. So because he was out of context, and in the same night, I met one of the girls, the original, uh, <laughs> the original girls from Sugar Babes. Oh bloody hell! <laughs> it, was, it was a random weird night back in my back in my heyday where I basically turned. I went, uh, and because he was out of context, I just went, oh. It, Oi, oi, Danny! Like that, because I just didn't know what else to do. My, my girl's familiar with him. And he was like, all right, my girl. And then I just, I was like, I was just thrown. And then like, we did like the pounds and everything. I got him, I got him. And then he looked at me, I got no, you don't know me, but you literally just threw me off guard because I've only just watched Lockstock the other day. And then we just started laughing. And then we just started talking and it was really cool. Mm. And then I walked further down Labrador Grove towards the station. We had just come from doing a sound check at a club called Subterranea that used to be down there. Mm. I was just coming out of the sound check, 
had was gonna go home and then turned and I saw the original Asian girl from Sugar Babes. I looked oh. at her and she looked at me and we held, you know, you hold the look too long. Yeah. So you can't not say anything. I was like, so I just was like, wow. And she was like, you're, I was like, I'm just thrown. I said, now it's gone on too long and too awkward. So we introduced <laughs> each other and I was like, why are you doing it no more? And then she was telling me some tea about why she wasn't in the sugar babes anymore. And I was like, ah, and then we just started talking for a bit. And then her friends kind of turned up and then they, they went off, but it was just a brand. And I just came home and I was like, and I came home and the first thing was like, oh, what are you about to? I was like, well, I just saw the cat and I just saw Sugar Babe. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I just told her what happened. It was a weird night. It was a very mm, weird night. Sounds like it. But Danny John Jules was, was absolutely lovely. It was, yeah. it was really cool. And it's, yeah. It's funny because we've done Danny John Jules. We had a sign in it. It's from my FP days because basically I met everyone barring, mm. barring um, Chris Barry um, through um, working at Forbidden Planet. Mm. And um, with Danny John Jules, we have, he was he there was this new sci-fi show which which flopped. I can't remember what it was called, um, but we were doing a signing for it, um, and like we had oh god, I need to find out what it is before I actually what was it called? It was it it was like like you knew it was going to be a flop, but you know you had hope for Danny and all. Yeah. That. Um, mm. What was it? Okay, I can't find it. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we had a, like we had like a big signing for it. It was like most of the cast were there, and yeah. he turned up like a half an hour late <laughs> to the thing, and like we and it was just like he just, he just rocked up. Hey, what's up, guys? It's like, dude, dude, you're like you're like an hour late, man. Where, where have you been? And like, everyone, oh my god, <laughs> it's still it's still oh my, it's still Galaxy Quest. Do you realize that's still Galaxy Quest, right? Because <laughs> that's what happens with um, that is true. the two other characters. He's late. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, you ain't wrong, you ain't wrong. And um, with Craig Charles, I met him when I was working conventions. This is when um, it was the FSS, the FSX Weekender, when it used to be a thing, but now it's called a Sci-Fi Weekender. And um, he came, he was like, speak, you're speaking on, you're speaking on a panel, it's just like a one-on-one interview on stage. And then afterwards, he was going to do one of his DJing shows because you know he likes doing his like his funk DJ sets. He does. He, like, yep. And like, it's not again. It's not my thing. But when you when you when you see a man doing something that he loves, it's you can't help but. It's great. Him. I've been to one of his shows. It's, mm. it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, he was basically just going off. Like he was just ripping everything. He had like a bunch of um, Red Dwarf cosplayers on the stage. It was just like it was it was, it was really good. It was really good sesh. I gotta say. And then, but then it was the following morning when I saw him. My man was fucked. Like you could, do you know, do you know, do you know when, do you know when it's just you can tell us to spin one of those days, like where, yep. because like, we had literally gone, um, gone down for breakfast, and he and like I was just coming from the toilet, and he was, and he was just coming. I don't know where he was coming from, but my man looked like he was done. He was tired. He was confused, and he oh was like. God. He like, do you know what I mean? He just stopped, he literally stopped in the middle and had to have a big think. He was, mm. like, he was like, so they just looked at this guy and went that way, and he went that way. And I was just like, oh, god, oh, Craig, oh, Craig. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But no, they, uh, he, was, he, was, he was still a lovely guy. He, he like gave me a wave and everything. And um, <laughs> same, same goes for um, Robert Llewellyn because, like, again, he's done a lot of silence at FPN. He was always just talking to everybody, he was just a lovely yeah. guy to be around. So, um, yeah. 
props to them. He gives he gives a lot of time, and, and I've I think I've I've met Craig Charles, and he also because um, he also has a uh, funk star hike. Sorry. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry. Right there in the end, bless you. Um, yeah, um, he does. I think actually right now it's happening. Craig Charles's uh, funk show um, mm. that he does every Sunday, but and he's up on the Saturday nights as well, I think. And because um, we used to listen to it back in the day, and I actually asked him to do like a birthday thing for our daughter, and he did that. Mm. So which was I still had the picture of him like um, doing it because I basically was trying to I was explaining to him that she doesn't under she was just starting to understand that the guy on the radio is Lister. So he did this really nice picture of him, like hold, like with like happy birthday to her in like his mouth, um, as as like kind of going like like he's Lister, but he's also doing the DJ. And so I was like, oh, thank you so much, it's really cute. But um, and I think one of the interesting things I I found out is that the production team of when these when the series was starting, they originally approached Craig Charles, um, because at the time he was kind of known as a punk poet and like Liverpudlian punk poet. Because they were concerned that people might think the character of Cat was racist. Because I, well, I can tell they basically knew they were going to cast someone black as Cat. So Dave Lister was like, so Charles, I was like, oh my God, Craig Charles is like, nah, Cat's pretty cool. And then when he read the script, he's like, actually, I want to audition for Dave Lister. Um, so he did. And, you know, the rest is history. But I like that kind of, you think this is like the 80s. So it's like 88. So in the 80s, even then, what I like is the production team was still very aware that cat could have been seen as some kind of weird caricature kind of you know glorified minstrel mm. and we're aware and then was like we may think it's fine but the community might not who can we reach out to to guide us and say yes or no which shows a kind of awareness that now people be like oh we do not for it's like well because there are issues and it's important that if we're going to do representation that we're going to do it right and it's better. I think we've, we've covered this in season one where we said that some things from the 80s and 90s had more, much more representation and much more kind of awareness than some things now. Mm. And I find that quite interesting that BBC Manchester were reached out to Craig Charles and going, hey, you know, what do you think? We appreciate the feedback. And I love the fact that Danny John Jules turned up to his audition half an hour late. See that, that it keeps running <laughs> in a zoot suit. And they were so blown away, even though he was late, they were like, yeah, you're, you're hired because you're you're just you and a great dancer and a great singer. But I absolutely love the fact that everything feels equal. Everything feels kind of like, like when you see, like there are images and flashbacks of the staff and the crew and what have you. It's, it's a mixed match of everybody, which is, what I was, which is what I think we see a lot of. And some things don't, it hasn't continued, unfortunately. That's a damn shame. And... I also like the fact that the challenge of Red Dwarf is that there are no aliens in it. And people might go, oh, there are. It's like, no, 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 there actually are no aliens. Everything that you see, like any creatures, are usually the products of something that's gone wrong where humans have messed it up, like the suicide squid um, in one of my favourite episodes. And um, the Gelf, who were genetically modified. So, and like androids or, or you know, simulants who have basically, you know, androids that have repaired themselves and, you know, risen up and turned against and hunting people down. I like that idea. I think something more challenging. And also it's goddamn hilarious. It's very true. Okay, let's see. Okay, questions for everyone, but let's go. Big man first. Big man, your top three favourite 
um, Red Dwarf episodes and why? Ooh, that's hard. I mean, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in reverse order, number one has to be the Inquisitor. <laughs> no ifs, no buts. Yeah, I, yeah. That episode, no matter what mood I'm in, I can just easily reach for it. And I'm just laughing from beginning to end. Mm. I'm trying, you know, the sad thing is there's so many. Trying to remember the names to the episode is going to bug me. Uh, but I if you can describe it, we all know it. I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm going to say, yeah. Right. There's an episode where Crichton was coming off very, very much like Max Hedrum. And he kept on repeating himself like he had a malfunction. And he's bugging. Yeah. Oh, was that the one who's being replaced? Yes, that is uh, the last day. Wow, that's called the yeah, last day. Last day, we got um, replaced by we got replaced yeah. by the, 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 the new mother. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. W tastes like WD40 mix of Vimto. You've been yeah. looking at my recipe book. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I'm trying to think what episode, what, what season was that? That, that was, was season, uh, season. Yep. Season yeah, there you go. No season, no season three, episode six. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. There you there go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got one more. You got one more. You got more. But yeah, oh, one more, Big Ben. Oh, so you, oh, the oh, last oh, day, Inquisitor. Uh, gosh, let's see. This is, uh, I'm trying to think. What's the name? What's the name? What's the name? Oh, oh pressure. Pressure. <laughs> or just d- d- describe, describe the episode. And once again, I'm sure we can help you. Right, so I mm. think, bear with mm. me, mm. this one is, oh, wait, 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 wait. I can see, is it called Parallel Universe, I think? Yeah, where they go through in the shower. Is that where they have to, they go back, the Parallel Universe one, I think, is where they have to go back in the shower, and there's yeah. like the time hole. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the one, yeah. There's a time hole on the lower deck, and they have to basically end up going back to when things happened. And they they try and see if they can put somebody else in stasis. Yes, that's the one. And it ends where there's like multiple rimmers and multiple listers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, um, I think they end up where they go into the hotel room with Kachansky, and they find that there's another lister with Kachansky, and that in that universe, Married. Christine and yeah, Christine and Lister had had um had got married. That's the one, yeah. yeah? That's the one. That's... Well done, very impressed. Yeah. All right, sis, your turn. Backwards. Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Not null. Um, oh god, the one Justice is also one of my favorites as well. Do you like Justice? Justice is a really good one. Yeah. Justice is a really good one. Um, oh god, quarantine. I know, sorry guys. Um <laughs> that's one of my favourite ones as well because of just just Mr. uh just Mr. Flibble yeah, and the King of the Potato People. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a magic carpet? Yeah, four seater. So let me get you straight. You want to speak to the king of the potato people and find his magic carpet and you're not and you're not crazy. <laughs> I love that. Love that one. Um, the one, the ep- the one where they make where 
um, Rimmer tries to escape and he ends up going on the planet and they make a load of, he makes a load of himself. Oh, that was season six. Um, yeah. Rimmer World. Yeah, Rimmer World. Yeah. yeah, because, just because of, like, when it's like, behold my concubine. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then you turn and it's actually chris barry as the one of the women giving a kiss and it's the grossest thing you've ever seen in your life. ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. <laughs> oh god is I am he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That and um oh my god an honorable mention goes to when they go to the planet of the oh what's it called? Um Terraform 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 Terraform, yeah, which is a uh, season five yeah. episode oh, three. Yeah, when they land, and basically the planetoid basically becomes what Rimmer thinks of himself. Mm. And at the end, he they have the um, the parts of him that they have to be nice to Rimmer. Yeah. And I love it when Cat's like, "Oh, I'm being part of such depravity." They're not lying. They really care about you. They really care about you because I just like when when Cry goes, "We have to tell the the, uh, the enemy is in here with us. We have to tell." Mr. Rimmer, that we love him. And oh. just kept like, you guys are sick. <laughs> and like at the end, when it all gets sorted out, they fly off. They're like, you didn't mean that, did you? They were like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those are, those are my favourites, my favourite episodes. Because it's just the comedic timing. And I think it was just, especially like from season three, because I think I said it 
said it previously that one and two were good um you know especially for the budget they had as well they made they made um they made a lot work and also it's quite interesting as to the people who were in it so it's the guy who plays mr weasley's in it as his best friend peterson Mm. and it's quite a few people that just pop up who were just in there because that's how the bbc does you have strange people who are like oh my god you're really like like yes i'm I, I know you know who I am, but I was in Red Dwarf season two and what have you. Um, but I, yeah, season three, especially with Crichton, with Robert Llewellyn, was like chef's kiss. That is when it starts. Season three is when it really, really just hits the points. There's, there's so much more funny episodes to me from season three onwards. Um, but once again, not discounting season one and two. It's when we get to season seven that I stop. Why didn't do my favorite episodes oh my god how dare i go on bruv <laughs> no, how how no 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 my dear come 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 tell yeah, me okay. okay cool all right talk to me go on. what's, what's your right, favorite episodes so, bruv okay so top number three is quarantine mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> mr flibble yeah number two is back to reality because that one was just so surreal like oh that was yeah oh back my god i love that one so good that, that is a brilliant one. So that's where that's where that's where, that's where the, um, the the squid gets in, gets involved. What we were talking about the suicide squid, suicide squid, and basically, yeah, they get put into this. Um, they get sent to this ultimate reality where apparently Red Dwarf has all been a simulation, and... which is so weird. Like yeah. you now, where and... like they're getting up out of like, headsets, it's like, oh my mm. god, it is it is basically VR. So like, and, and it, was, yeah. it was it was it was just like, wait, wait for it, bruv. Dwayne Dibley? <laughs> the introduction to the to the infamous Dwayne Dibley. Dwayne Dibley. Dibley. Buck Angel. <laughs> when our team can be used by Druids as a place of worship. <laughs> oh, yeah, back to reality is still for it's definitely number number two. And number one will be the um Oh, the Horseman of the Apocalypse. The, um, oh yeah, the, the award-winning Horseman yeah. of the Apocalypse. Yeah, that so is a good episode too. I, cause, cause, cause I'm just, I'm a gamer at heart. The fact they were in a video game trying to fix, yeah, just, just that just appeals to me all the time, every day. And with um, with uh, again, Danny Donjil's cat going, "Let me be a kid." Shut the bullets out the air. Kind of, it was just like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Give me that. Give that to me every single day. And I like the Britishness of it, where where like where River goes. I know how to order two drinks, a ginger ale, and a whiskey. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> a chair on the top, and a little dash of. It's like yeah, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Th- those were those were really good episodes, and like I said, it's the gamer part of it. Uh, and I like how like the silliness in it, like when they when things don't work, and it, it's it's a blinding episode. Yeah, mm. it is up there with me. That is. That's true. Oh, I, I do love that episode. Oh my god. Can you hear that? Sorry? So you, can you hear that? Hear what? Exactly. Right, that's what I need to know. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like I just got cast. Like, did you just cast me? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I should feel like I feel like I'm, I'm just, was I insulted? I did, feel, I did feel like I was being told off there. I just yeah. like, like, do you hear that? Hear what? Exactly. <laughs> no, not, good, you hear anything? <laughs> Shut up you now. Are. Karen talking. 
Oh, okay. Terry just tried to make a cameo appearance. I wonder if you want. No, we are. Oh, shout out to Terry every time. Oh, supposed to be part of the podcast, bless him. <laughs> Which seems like a one. Terror actually is a really good intro into season seven, and season eight, and season nine. Does it have to be an intro to season seven? To uh, season nine? Uh, do we have to do that? It's I'm not thinking of the positives and going the good times now, like you know, like Mr. Flibble, you know, Wayne Dibley, But then, actually, tell a lie. I'll give, I'll give, I'll give season seven one, good, one good moment, one good moment. I'll give them, I'll give them credit for this. I actually quite like what they did with this concept, which is Ace Rimmer. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, I'll give them credit for that because that was an interesting concept. That the whole thing, yeah. For those who don't know, so um, in season seven, I think it was episode three or two. I think it was two actually. Uh, two. Uh, stoke me, stoke me a clipper. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ace Rimmer, as we know, is the alternate ver- the alternate version of normal Rimmer, basically, who's a hero, a dashing cavalier, devil be care hero. Um, you find out that. The orig- he wasn't the original Ace Rimmer, that the original Ace Rimmer died and he passed on the mountain to to another Rimmer. And that's happened and you find that's been happening for years. That they've passed on the name for years and years to carry on the legacy of Rimmer. And it was this reality's Rimmer's turn to do, take take on the mantle. And I like again, season season seven, I I I'm not a fan of it, but that episode no, I will definitely give credit because they did they did something new and it I felt like, as an ass, as much an arsehole as Rumor has been, I felt like he 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 does like he has some he has some good moments. I mean, like season six, he took up he he he, he took up his um his, his his cannon and tried to save everyone. Yeah, true. Uh, and yeah, he, he has he had he, yeah many moments. But he had some moments, and I thought it was kind of good for him to have have his moment to shine for a change. So yeah, that's the only time I'll give season six, season seven, a correct some credit was that episode. Yeah, very true. Actually, yeah, that was a good episode. Uh, and I like the concept. I just think that it was really obvious because uh, Rob Grant had left <clears throat> to pursue other non-Red Dwarf projects, so it just left um, Doug Naylor to do it. Mm. And, you know, love for them both, but I just don't feel like it... He, the, without Grant, the comedic element was missing, so I felt there's more misses than hits. But you're right, Stoke Me a Kipper... Stoke me a clipper, sorry. Clipper, was a really good... <laughs> yeah. Um was a really good episode. And but it's also like that was kind of with Chris Barry leaving as well. Mm. So it's like we've put all this time constructing this really perfect kind of thing and then you know, and then they brought in they brought back Christine Kachansky. And that is when I was like, you know what, I'm oh. because Christine Kachansky is you know, it's the whole kind of thing of she represents the thing, the things that, the chances that Lister lost, the things he could have and should have done, the chances he should have taken, even for a moment, and he didn't. So to kind of bring her in, and then kind of go down this route where where Crichton is jealous of Christine Kachansky, it's a bit like, yeah, you know what, um, mm. I'm kind of done. Mm. It's just, yeah. <clears throat> it just yeah it just didn't hit it for me and then there was a kind of when it went back in time i was like yeah you know what i'm just yeah no what happened no you go back in time it was basically that 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 what was it if i'm not mistaken it nanobots. was the nanobots that's it yeah they found red dwarf and the nanobots had 
had disguised Red Dwarf as a giant asteroid. Yeah. And they used those nanobots to recreate Red Dwarf, fix Lister's missing arm, and it, all, it basically fixed Red Dwarf to a point of bringing back everyone who was Everybody. Who, who had been dead. Which, yeah. And I thought, and it's, and it's, about that point, it's defeat the purpose of Red Dwarf, because like... Yeah. Then there's no point now. What's the point? Because like, the whole point, the whole idea is Red Dwarf was like these four people trying to get back to earth and just go on these zany adventures now you bring back like, everyone and then you put them in you put them in prison no that, that prison the prison part pissed them off even more because i was like what 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 yeah, what, it, what? It, it, it made no sense it was just stupid but i'm trying to what you try to make sense of a sci-fi show it's not really the thing but <laughs> if you've been with a show as long as the dwarf if you were a real dwarf it's like it makes perfect sense like not to do shit like that yeah yeah just did, yeah, uh, it, I I literally stopped watching after I, I just would turn in and be like, oh no, this is even worse than I thought. Yeah, thanks. I uh, <laughs> just rubbing up. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, so and actually no, I said I said season ten. It's actually season eleven. I started watching from because that's the ones that were on Dave. Yeah, because season ten technically was that four part special Back to Earth. Yeah, and I haven't watched that either. You haven't, you haven't watched that. The only okay, like the only I'll give it credit for for two moments. Okay. One when Lister meets Craig Charles on <laughs> on the set of Coronation Street. That okay. that that is cool. That is that's probably one of the best scenes in the whole thing. The <laughs> other two, the other the other one is basically when Lister. Because the whole the whole idea with with um like basically there's another version of. The suicide script, but it doesn't actually cause you to com- um, commit suicide. It causes you just to find happiness, in a sense. All oh, right. So, okay. Lister's thing was basically because because uh, in the in the storyline, Christine Cachancio just left, had left Red Dwarf, and right. Okay. They didn't know and didn't know why or anything. And then, in this new reality, Lister had decided to stay in the um, illusion to be with Christine Cachancio, and then right, when. Okay. But then when it came to when he realised that he was like, yeah, I'm gonna leave, and she, and obviously the, the the illusion was saying that, like, you're leaving me, but you're, but you, yeah, he goes like, yeah, I'm gonna find a real you, and she and he she's like, but you're not good enough for me. He goes like, you know what? Yeah, I am, because I'm 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 pretty brave, you know. I'm pretty smart, you know. I'm not the greatest guy, but I'm pretty good, you know. And I was like. That's you what know. I liked about it, yeah. about Red Dwarf. Yeah. Is seeing him, because it's not, because the schlobstick can get really easy, can get mm. easily overdone if it's just a one-dimensional character. No one in that is a one-dimensional character. Mm. They all keep going. And I like little tricks they use. I like the fact that all this stuff happens between season two and three. And the way they get around that is say, you know what? This here it is, and you just have that 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 intro in the mm. in the beginning sequence, and that's it. And then if you just pause and read it, you find out what happens, like why Holly has now become Hattie Hayridge mm. as opposed to Northern Love It. But that's the thing is that you start off with Dave being this slob, but he goes on and he makes those choices himself. He does say sometimes, "I'm going to use my brain for a change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that," and he mm. has the confidence. And I like that. That's what should happen. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I keep afraid because obviously, like, because you, you kind of got, like, satisfaction of following Lister from season one to where he is now. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm a pretty good guy, you know? You'd be lucky to have if you have me, to be fair. So, 
Yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna find you. So I was like, do you know what? Yeah, you go and get yeah. this stuff because you you are like listen because like let's like, like let's it has evolved like from like all oh, of them completely. have yeah like even cat because as even though cat has still always is, is still a vain creature and to stay still a vain creature he mm. will back you if he he will back you you have your back like yeah. regardless of the situation he'll hate you like like Rimmy he hates Rimmer but he'll still have his back in certain situations so you know you can't you can't you got you got to respect that you got to respect that kind of evolution in characters. I mean, his his reasons may be questionable. Like when he said, you know, I see what you're saying, but I can, but I must back Mister. Why? Because I can't go with someone who wears those at that outfit. And it's like <laughs> you may not like it, but you understand. I like of how I like the journey of Crichton breaking his programming and what that means to have the ability to lie and 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 how he defaults sometimes, uh, and e- even Rimmer. It's he still has an arc, but it's still he's an arsehole. Mm. Because ultimately, it's like I think what the whole thing does say is with Rimmer is that people like this will blame everybody but themselves. At least Lister is accountable to himself. He knows what he's done. He knows that he got himself in the position because of things that he chose to do. With the Rimmer, it's constantly. I had the wrong parents, I didn't go to the right school, this is wrong, that's it, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. And it's that kind of thing where it's like, he has an arc where he does what's right ultimately sometimes. However, it's still from a lens of, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. And sometimes with arseholes, it's like, you just have to recognize that that's, that's just who they are. They may have shiny moments. And I like that. I like the fact that he has a limited arc, but Lister has the bigger, the bigger arc. The nicer ones have the better arc than the idiot. But sometimes you need an idiot to do idiot shit, like make a world of themselves. <laughs> Ew, that's gross. Big man, you're right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You, you, you just, you, you just trying to keep terror on lock, are you? No. <laughs> I think the thing with Red Dwarf is it's one of those things that. It's once again a thing where I'm glad that there's no US version because I don't think a lot of it would have translated at all. It's very British. It's very night like very eighties to nineties British of that kind of punky, unapologetic, weird. No one is clean. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. That rhymed. That was weird. Um uh, that happens sometimes. And so I don't think that would have translate especially at the time with a lot of american counterparts i can think of at the time in the 90s i don't think there's anything like red that red dwarf could have been it's like spaced again not can't translate you know and i feel like there, there comes every so often there comes quite a few especially with the with british things um where it's like it is impossible to translate and i feel like it's of the time like garth Marenghi's dark place can you imagine them trying to do that in the u.s yeah that won't run it just wouldn't work um garth ringy start play spaced not doesn't doesn't work um we've gone through that as to why space won't won't work red dwarf's the one that wouldn't work brass eye wouldn't work drop the dead donkey wouldn't work there's just this plethora of really good comedy in the 90s you know no problem i wouldn't have wouldn't have worked because no problem was directly about the black experience of when you've come from a family who basically you know are jamaican 
and what that immigrant experience is like, but also when the parents go back and leave you, what's that like? And I think because we're very well versed in what that feels like and looks like, I don't think there's a counterpart in America. Mm. And sometimes that's okay. Not everything has to. That's that's the point with red with red door. I think I think it's a thing with with. I think when you think of America, you think of Star Trek. You think of those like neat little, neat tidy episodes. And this is not me saying that Babylon Five and Star Trek aren't good and what have you. But I think there's a roughness about Red Dwarf that would not have translated to the American audience, or to you know, or to trans, or to have an American version. What do you guys think? No, and it's, I mean as you just stated with a list of names, it's not everything can convert from UK to US. But I mean, Red Dwarf you would thought possibly could have worked, but maybe the casting was just wrong. To be honest, I want the question I had to ask is how much of a say did the creators have? Because well, they were uh, involved in it. Grant like, and uh, they were Doug Grant and Doug, they, they were involved in it. Yeah, they but were actually. But, but when it came to the cast and stuff, did they did they have a say, or was it just their input they gave? Because for example. Mm. Um, the US office versus the American office. I mean, the US office versus the British office. I mean, like, that was probably more successful than the British office ever was. I mean, it went I would out, say so. And, and it still it had the insight of of um, Ricky Gervais and, and uh, Stephen Merchant, Merchant. Merchant, yeah. And yeah. the casting was spot on. So, and that went, what, how many seasons did that go on for? Uh, nearly nine. Nine, I think. Nine, I think yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. it's not a, it's, it's not a fact that things can't work. It's just that our American producers willing to listen because at the end of the day, when it comes to adaptations, re um, reimaginations, remakes, what have you, the work has already been done. It's all mm. about what you choose to do with the information you have in your hand to make it work. Are you going mm. to make the right choices and not get someone pretty to do play the part that's not supposed to be played by a pretty person? Or are you just going to go, what would be marketable? You know, what are you going to do? Like, that's what always comes down to when it comes to production producers. It always comes down to what's marketable and what will work for, what would work in, the mo in most industries. But if you're going to take something and try and make it marketable or just try and, or you're going to try and make, take something and make it true for adaptation, that's the question you need to ask yourself really when it comes to doing shit like that and this is what's interesting with the u.s version where they made it primarily a white cast um because people like to say things like oh see racism it's not really a thing and you're going on about it and it's like to it's because when you put something you know there wasn't this deliberate kind of you know the, the deliberate things are things like making sure that cap wasn't offensive you know, and in, in that process, they, they got Craig Charles, you know, as Lister. And it's gone on to be, you know, something really successful, cult following, you know, these guys can't move without someone going, oh, you know, what have you, mm -hmm. or Smeg or anything like that. Um, so when people say, oh, it's not a thing, to take that out, obviously when it, it, when it goes across to the US, it does become something else. And it's almost like at the time, why not have kept it the way it was with that casting? And it's almost like maybe because some people were expecting there to be this heavily loaded stuff about about it when about black people and racism and this that and the other where it's like sometimes even people of color don't they just want to have fun mm. it's it's why i don't watch certain things now like i'm looking forward to watching the holiday the holiday fall 
And that just looks like some fun with some really good coats. And you know all now how we feel about a good coat up in the heart of the fall. Might find coat, might find coat. And why I don't watch things like Antibellum anymore. I don't watch things where it's like, like I do, because it's like, I don't want to watch torture porn. I don't want to watch the suffering porn. I don't want to watch things about slavery. I just want to see people of colour existing, having fun and doing mage, doing mad and weird shit. And that is quite literally Red Dwarf. And to take mm. that and change that and go, no, you, you guys can't have fun. You have to do this. Let alone the biggest sin to me. And I'm actually looking at the pilot, at the cast, a cast photo of the Red Dwarf USA pilot. And I'm just like, you all look so clean. Why are you clean? I like the idea that just because they're in the future, in the 20 whatever century they were, or the 30 whatever century they were, doesn't mean it's all clean and sparking and new. It's rough. It's scavenging. It's doing all this other. And I, I love that idea. And... Yeah, but I do agree with you, bruv. It does, it does, the production, because even though it does say that Grant and Naylor were there and they were a part of it, it then becomes a very different studio system in the US to mm-hmm. the system in BBC or working in the UK. It's a very different system. And, you know, you're you're right. I think also it's taking them and I think why the US office work, I said it before, is that they took that concept, they took out things that would not, that would have landed like a flat balloon in the US and changed them to more US. And as somebody who, like, I watch, I have watched both of them. I'll be honest, I prefer the US, which yeah, is weird for me to yeah. Yeah, I prefer the US one. Um, I think, one, I, I'm not a big Ricky Gervais fan anyway, and I don't want to punch the screen when he's on it, but I got the whole dynamic, I got it, and it was okay, cringing, with Pharrell, with sorry, with Steve Carell, it's a different cringe. Yeah. Um, but everyone in and everyone in just like the UK one, everyone in it is is blinding. But there's a bit more. I mean, there's the, the Stanley. Did I stutter? Honestly, <laughs> I die every time that bloody war happens, kind of thing. Um, and once again, the same thing. There's 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 actually, if anything, I think there's there's more. In the US office, there's more color than there is in the UK mm, one. Mm, definitely, there's much yeah, there's much more diversity and, and thing than there is in that. And I even like the one where where Michael just gets it all wrong because it's like yeah, this is what happens when you don't discuss it and it becomes awkward and you get things wrong when you don't discuss issues of of race, gender, and what have you. What happens is it gets in the hands of people like Michael, and it becomes him doing. With a bandana on, doing that, you're like, oh god, oh, oh god, prison, oh, Mike. Oh, prison, yeah, prison, Mike. You're like, oh gee, gee. and it's like this, because that's what's gonna happen if you don't talk about it. You let the idiots run it, and they fuck it up. Whereas if you pretend it doesn't exist, you know, if you you counter it and you even make mistakes, which is where I will keep giving props to the BBC for doing for having discussion and saying, have we gone too far? What can we do to make this pro- make make this work? Because I can't see cat working any other way than cat. I, yeah, no way. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't yeah. imagine it. Yeah, I don't want to imagine it. I don't want no, to. I don't I'm want good. to. I'm good. I got cat. Big after. And I'm gonna do as a result of that. I'm gonna have to put t- the video to tongue tied in the show notes because absolutely. And I always give props to Craig Charles for playing that song <laughs> every year without fail, either on his show or or at one of his live shows. He will play tongue tied. And I love that. And props to Chris Barry and Craig Charles for doing the choreography for that. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and the fact that they actually charted with that song as well. <laughs> oh, oh dear. I think I think we've ranted enough at the people then. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we're going to call it quits. Uh, thank you once again for listening. And, you know, and I'm going to start saying if you could spend the time to give a little review on Apple Podcasts, you know, it helps the algorithm. You know, that will help us. So please leave a little review. And, you know, please, if you want to get in touch, you can email us at sentjudesavengers at gmail.com. You can also reach out on Twitter at andmessed. And you can also reach out on Instagram at messeduppod. What about you, my brother? You can find me on YouTube on the Instant Classic Gaming. You can also find me on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Instagram. I'm a blank for that. I'm like, uh, So Twitch, Instagram, and TikTok under Instant Classic underscore Gaming. Big man. Father, brother. And finally, I can be found on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Roberts underscore V1. Thank you very much for your time, people. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you soon. And uh, take care. Stay safe. Have Stay a safe. smegging lovely day. Smeg. Quite. And that's why we're messed up. Produced by the St. Jude's Avengers, edited by Instant Classic Gaming, and music produced by Box Room Music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.